Welcome to Let's Talk About Grief with your host, Addie Anderson. While death and loss are subjects that nobody likes to discuss, you need to prepare for it and deal with it effectively. On our program, we talk to professionals as well as friends and family members who have lost loved ones to help you help others and understand the grief process. Now, here is Addie Anderson. Hi, I'm Addie Anderson, the guest of the show, and I want to welcome you to Let's Talk About Grief. This is where we come together each week to talk about all things related to grief, death, and dying. Now, today, my guest is Charles Chuck Hitzman. Chuck is the proud fifth-generation owner and president of Hitzman Funeral Home and Cremation Services in Brookfield, Illinois. He took over for his parents that retired in September 2017. Chuck has been a licensed funeral director since 2002 and holds licenses in multiple states. He graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where he received his Bachelor of Science degree in economics. Like his father, grandfather, and great-grandfather, Chuck graduated from Worsham College of Mortuary Science. He is also a licensed insurance pre-need specialist, which helps families pre-plan for their funerals. In 2002, he was awarded the Melvin Jones, which is the highest honor a Lions Club member can receive. He is a recipient of the Foundation Fellow Award, as well as the recipient of the USW 2016 Advisor of the Year. Chuck and his wife, Danielle, are the proud parents of two children, Rachel and Joe. He is passionate about continuing the Hitzman tradition of impeccable service to each and every family that he he serves. Welcome to the show, Chuck. Hi, hi, Eddie. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to uh, be here, and uh, I'm honored that uh, you asked me to uh, share some of my experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I think what you have to share, a lot of people listening today will, um, you know, will be better for it because what you have is what we all one day will need. <laughs> so let's just get started right there. Um, why don't you talk about? when you realized that you even wanted to be in the funeral industry and, and when you came to that, did you hesitate at all in going into the family business? Um, well, actually, uh, good question. I, I uh, wouldn't say I hesitated coming into the family business, but I always uh, was not going uh, interested in uh, coming into the, the family business. It wasn't until my end of high school when, um, being a family business, I spent a lot of time uh, working and helping out around the funeral home. And the more I interacted with families that uh, my parents and my grandparents were working with at that time um, gave me a good sense of feeling uh, that I was actually helping people through a hard time. And mm-hmm. at that um, kind of moment, uh, more towards my senior year, when families were so gracious for all the help and everything that we've done, it mm-hmm. uh, turned me in that direction. So oh. uh, never looked back since. Okay. And so now you're coming from a long line of funeral directors. Uh, you're the fifth generation. And I would imagine that within that time, you know, when you were young, you were a little boy, you had the opportunity to hear about, you know, maybe your dad's experience as a funeral director, your grandfather. 
Um, and now, you know, becoming an adult, going through your own education and your experience, how have you seen the funeral industry change over time? Well, sure. Uh, just like uh, everything in our lives, we uh, we see things change. Uh, one of the things that's very interesting to me is uh, history. Uh, I, mm-hmm. Not uh, necessarily specifics, but uh, just overall history and what's happened. So talking with the families that I work with as well as my, my uh, previous relatives and previous generations has um, told me a lot. Um, mm-hmm. We go back into 1904 when we first started. Yes, we had a funeral home, but a lot of times uh, the visitations and wakes were still held in the home where uh, mm-hmm. preparations would be needed to sometimes even remove windows and doors to accommodate um, the casket and the deceased being uh, brought in to uh, hold the vigil in the home. And oftentimes they were several days, and now... Uh, as we've transitioned here into the future, as uh, so many relatives and so forth are spread um, across the United States, if not even the world, mm-hmm. it's not as easy for um, loved ones and friends to possibly even make it in in that time frame. So sometimes it's what's happening is the uh, times have gotten a little shorter, um, electronics and, and so forth, uh, social media have uh, kept people uh, more involved that are not in the area, mm-hmm. and the uh, families have been able to converse that way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things where um, meals and so forth were at the home, now they're uh, bringing that um, to the funeral home setting. Um, mm-hmm. There's uh, just a myriad of uh, different things that um, have uh Transitioned, uh, especially uh, it used to be very common of a ground burial. Now cremation is uh, something that is uh, more uh, possibly selected at times uh, to bring mm-hmm. uh, cremains with them because people are mobile. Once again, not necessarily staying in the same area as traditionally, you know, 50, 70 years ago. That, that was oh. the case. Oh, I see that. And so it seems like then there are a lot more services actually services that funeral homes might provide at the funeral home versus previously, like you were saying, when a lot of, when, when families actually took care of their loved ones themselves. Correct. They took, took care of uh, more uh, things than they do today, you know, with um, mm-hmm. uh, two, two um, parent uh, uh, wage earners or uh, um uh, household in- incomes that are needed these days. There's just not as many uh, family members that can quite as easily uh, participate and help. Um, but yet, in other instances, you get the, uh, more grandchildren involved and nieces and cousins. So, I mean, things are, are, mm-hmm. are pretty family-specific. But, um, yes, there are um, changes like that. Okay. And so what is the number one thing you wish that people knew about funeral planning? Well, it's kind of a two-part thing uh, there. Uh, uh, the biggest thing that I would like everybody to know um, and uh, feel very optimistic, optimistic and positive about is that, first and foremost, it's not painful, and okay. it's really quite easy. Hmm. Uh, the most hesitation is just families do not want to speak of uh, their, their end. Um, uh, we are all human. We are all, all, unfortunately, at some point in time going to pass. Um, mm-hmm. It's easier for some to talk about it than others, 
But uh, realistically, it's something easy to do, and it's something that's very rewarding that most most families feel very content and happy that they've done so. That seems contrary to what a lot of people say, <laughs> like easy. You know, sometimes it's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's hard emotionally in that you're going through a lot of emotional pain early after your loved one has um, passed on. And so when you say easy, are you saying that when they come to you that you all just kind of like take them and and uh, make sure that they're tended to and 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 all their needs are provided for in an easy way? Is that what you mean? Like the Correct. way you so take care of them? What happen is, is most families find it very comforting when they uh, realize that we take care of many of the uh, loose ends, if you will, that they were like, geez, I don't know who I'm going to have um, take care take care of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also different points or different stages in life when families will will prearrange or, or plan their funerals too. And what's more interesting is those that do it while everyone is still healthy, and this is far into the future. Um, um, they're able to plan and make sure that all the fine details that they wanted are. Um, attended to, and it's much easier to do that in a pre-planning situation, mm-hmm. um, where it may be a little harder when their loved one is already um, ill, or they mm. are ill themselves. So, um, you know, that's a little bit harder at that point in time, whereas if somebody is actually, you know, planning completely ahead, and they're more interested in doing so. I see, I see. And so it's 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 easier in the long run if you're able to pre-plan and just have that much out of the way, it seems. Correct. So what about, um, like, how does having a formal gathering, you know, like a service or a funeral, help in the grieving process? Or do you even think it helps? I think it helps um, drastically. Um, it's a formal gathering. Um, obviously, I, I would always like to have the situation where family and friends could actually um, say their goodbyes and pay their respects to the actual deceased themselves. But we, mm-hmm. for a myriad of reasons today, we understand that uh, you know, uh, cremains or an urn um, can be a substitute for that also. Mm-hmm. But. When you have a formal gathering and a formal service, it actually causes um, family, friends, loved ones to stop and acknowledge what's actually happened. Yeah, Um, I agree with that. And it's not necessarily so much as having the more old school, you're experiencing a loss, but more of a celebration of life, which is acknowledging that there is a loss. Um, mm-hmm. But when you stop and actually acknowledge, it does help with the grief process. It does help with a better understanding versus just some, you know, making the decision to, uh, if you will, if you don't schedule something formal, even uh, a memorial service, it's almost like you're trying to sweep an issue underneath the rug. It's something you don't want mm-hmm. to be bothered with. Um, I mean, you don't need to spend a lot of money to stop and just have some sort of formal service, memorial service, or gathering. Um, it can be done anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the actual, you know, part. It, it's it's part of the whole grieving process is the actual acknowledgement. 
Mm-hmm. And so what about those families that might decide not to have, say, a service at all, you know, a funeral memorial service at all? Are there any, like, generalizations you can make about families that make that choice? I wouldn't uh, go as far as to make a, a generalization and uh, lump uh, all families like that into a um, particular group. I mean, there are several reasons why um, one may not do that. There may might not have been a, a good relationship in the family with that that individual. You know, there's a whole you know once again a myriad of reasons or uh, possibilities of or explanations. But what I have seen happen is those that don't stop to have an acknowledgement, typically don't have issues with grief up front at that point in time as much as mm-hmm. they do or something occurs in the future, um, mm-hmm. whether that's six months down the road, a year down the road, or five years down the road. Um, it seems a lot of times that grief can come back even worse. Um, and because something happens that they automatically, or at that point in time, realize that the passing and there was actually a loss, mm-hmm. and they've gone on so long pushing it off and acknowledging it that the um, it can actually be worse in in, in the future. Yeah, totally agree with you um, on that. I, as you know, am a grief counselor, and so I have. People coming in to see me, especially, I guess, when when there's a situation where, let's just say, there has been a stillbirth, and there was not that was the decision made was not to have a service of any kind, and just recalling how devastating and um, emotionally challenging it is for women, especially down the road sometimes when they wish that they had done something formal, you know, to acknowledge even the short life of uh, their child. So I totally get that. And even, you know, people coming in to see me, when I see them, it's usually not in the early stages of grief. You know, it's after the death has happened People try their best to kind of move forward and do what they can. Family, friends gather and help them uh, a lot of the times to kind of figure and process the the death itself. But when things aren't moving, it's when I see them. So it could be weeks, months later. You see them right at the beginning. (laughs) So like, like, what are the extremes of grief you've seen? Oh, I've uh, seen uh, extremes uh, from one one end to to another. I mean, grief can can be in all all forms. Um, I mean, t- typically, if you there's the strong bond, um, grief can be a, a little more. It depends on what experiences that person's been through, on how they've passed, um, mm-hmm. what kind of medical treatments they they've gone through. Um, I, I've seen. Um, grief uh, uh, metastasize itself so much that uh, almost immediately after the funeral uh, service, uh, professional help um, in, in a clinical sit- setting uh, was was needed um, because mm-hmm. the people were uh, so close uh, together that the loss of one was, is. Uh, Relied on that individual relied on that person so much that mm-hmm. they really just couldn't see how they were going to make it through life themselves without that that other individual. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have uh, you know almost 
Um, uh, at the time of passing, you have situations where their loved one has been through so much in their passing, and they've said their goodbyes, and they're content and know that the passing is going to occur, but they've been through such a long illness and, and passing that it's uh, they're almost remorseful that the passing has happened, um, mm. where, where it's, 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 uh, it's a blessing that um, the uh, individual has uh, transitioned. So mm-hmm. the uh, grief is, is far different in there where they've kind of already had their grieving prior to the passing, and now they're moved on to a, a, a better point of comfort where uh, the, the pain and the agony has gone, and they're just grateful and glad for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's called anticipatory grief, right? When you When your loved one has been sick for a long time and you have the opportunity to, I mean, it, to start actually grieving, you know, the loss of that person before they leave cause, because the relationship in itself has changed. And so, um, and then comes sometimes, like you say, relief after the death. And what I see uh, often in my office is that, yeah, that yes, there was relief, but then after that sometimes come guilt, <laughs> you know, because they're, they start to feel guilty sometimes when, they are relieved. So we're going to stop right here. I want to thank you for sharing that. Uh, we're coming up on our first break. Okay. And um, when we come back, we will continue this conversation with Chuck Hits- Hitzman. You can learn about more about Chuck at his website, hitzmanfuneral.com. You can learn more about my services at therapyoakpark.net. My Facebook page is Begin Within Counseling Services. We'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are there times when you feel inadequate dealing with the difficult emotions of grieving families? Would you like to help these families but don't know where to start? If so, grief counselor Addie Anderson can help. Discover what many funeral homes already know about meeting the emotional needs of families that they serve. Be a valued resource to families during a time when they need it most. They'll appreciate your commitment to their well-being. Call Addie Anderson at 708-870-6255 to schedule a consultation. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. This is Let's Talk About Grief with Addie Anderson. If you want more information about our program, please feel free to visit therapyoakpark.net. That's therapyoakpark.net. Now, back to Let's Talk About Grief. Welcome back. Uh, We're here today talking to Chuck Hitzman, funeral director, and he's sharing a lot of good information with us about the funeral home industry, about grief and his experience as a director. We're going to continue the conversation. And um, what I'd like to know, Chuck, like what changes do you hope to see in the funeral industry and the way people even view death and dying? Well, uh, that's a that's a good question. We could spend a, spend a whole hour uh, talking about that one, but uh, 
superficially from a business perspective, I just would like to make sure the funeral industry, you know, maintains its relevance, uh, which is a pretty powerful uh, statement to to make. I'm um, a younger uh, funeral director, if you will, a younger owner uh, than most. Uh, biggest changes are I like to keep up with current times and uh, take very, uh, uh, very strong uh, customer values in, into place and what they are looking for and what they're desiring. And I try to alter not only my services, but my facilities to accommodate that, where typically those that are older um, are not so apt to change. And the relevance there is, you know, could start to be contrived as being split or separated and uh, not a need. Uh, mm-hmm. So staying on top of social norms is uh, something that, um, you know, the funeral industry is, is changing with. Uh, specifically, uh, I had mentioned a little earlier in our, our broadcast today that uh, social media and way of interacting Part of that is uh, fulfilling uh, a space or a need, which may not necessarily be a good thing, but mm-hmm. loved ones and, and friends are feeling and operating underneath where they can express their sympathies and their losses via mm-hmm. social media now versus having that human inter- inter- interaction. Oh, I and see, I see. as much as I'm a proponent of doing podcasts and, and stuff like that to bring those that can't make it in, I don't want to see it being a substitute for that human interaction that needs to take place. Oh, very interesting. So so am I hearing you say when you, when you talk about relevance that that I, I know you don't know this for sure, but that there could be a concern, possibly a concern that at, at some point in the future, however far that is, that the, the funeral home will not be utilized as much as we know it today? That, possibly? that is something that is a, uh, is a concern of mine, yes. Um, there is always going to be a need for funeral directors. There is always going to be a need for our services that we provide. It's just in what capacities that, that we provide those based upon what society is driving. I mm. mean, it, it's it's nice to, you know, assist and so forth, but if society changes and... Um, desires change, then, you know, mm-hmm. we ultimately need to uh, address and work with that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that that's everything from planning elaborate memorial services um, with actual um, golf games with shotgun starts and the mor- memorial luncheons after that, even though people, uh, you know, friends may not golf, they come out to that. That's part, part of the memorial service. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, you know, it's, it's just being on the forefront to be able to accommodate things like that. Okay. Okay. And so one of the ways that you are making, you know, your company relevant, as we know, is uh, by hiring a grief counselor to come out and do some grief education at your company. And I know that because I'm the one. <laughs> That's so- correct. And a uh, fabulous job you're doing. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. So what made you decide to partner or even go after a, a grief specialist to um, to provide that service at your company? So um, 
family uh, family business, five generations. We've always lived in the community. We work in, uh, we're very in, in tune and wanting to support the community that, that we work in through a various, uh, many multitude of, of events, uh, whether it's village events and so forth. But we wanted to come back to directly the families that we've recently served, um, possibly even a, uh, an extra way of saying thank you uh, for allowing us to serve your family and offering something directly for for you. I will be uh, completely honest and upfront. Uh, this whole um, grief specialist was not completely my idea. I do mm-hmm. have a uh, younger uh, apprentice uh, with us. Her name is Taylor Sobel. We'll be f- mm-hmm. a fully licensed funeral director here. Um, mm-hmm. She is actually the one that came up with the idea, and I wanted to uh, fully embrace it, and uh, we've allowed her mm-hmm. to work with you, Addie, and uh, bring it into a you know predominant part of uh, our offerings here. Mm-hmm. And um, we yeah, saw a need where... Uh, various different churches and so forth will offer some some grief counseling, and there's uh, some other counseling that some just don't feel comfortable reaching out to. So we have it in a uh, very comfortable environment and a very open and inclusive uh, group, and it's been a uh, fantastic uh, experience for all those that have you know worked with you and us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great way to extend the service to the community. We definitely have been getting, um, you know, great responses from people who who you may not have served previously. So um, it's a great thing, I think, when we can, as the type, the topic of my show, let's talk about grief, when we can provide some type of education to just people in general about grief and um death and dying. So it, it, it's a wonderful service, in my opinion, that you're providing there. So let's see if we could talk, you know, because um, I think we talked a little bit about you, that you talked a little bit about trends in the funeral home business. So if we can kind of get a bit specific about what it's like uh, for to handle a, a dead body and some people are very curious about that. Tell us about the embalming process, Chuck. And is it something you know that you recommend that you do a lot? Is is there also a trend uh, up on us where people are choosing not to embalm? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, um, if the, we have a chance to talk about uh, green barrels uh, a little bit further on in, in our discussions here, I'll, I'll talk about some of that trending at that point in time. Um, mm-hmm. But specifically in, in regards to embalming at, at, at this point in time, um, overall general process of an embalming is to um, slow or uh, the actual decomposition decomposition process. You can never mm-hmm. actually stop it, um, but it's it's drastically slowed down. So as what it does is it's a disinfection process, and it presents a safe and stable environment, so that way um, your loved one can be comfortably viewed and not have any sort of um, instances or occurrences that may make that unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a uh, it's a preservation process that uh, most states, it's not a requirement. Um, it's not a law that you have to do, 
most mm. funeral homes such as ours to have an open casket viewing and visitation. We mm-hmm. do require that the embalming process does take place uh, to mm-hmm. present a sta- safe and stable environment where you don't have um, any um, issues where something may occur that would be unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a open casket viewing and visitation for services that are um, selected for that, it uh, is definitely recommended, actually required here um, at, at our funeral home. I see. Okay. And and let's talk a little bit then about the process of cremation, because that, as you mentioned earlier, is certainly a, a trend. And I believe I heard somewhere uh, recently a statistics that said that, you know, that more people are choosing cremation now than than not. <laughs> it, do you agree with that? And uh, also let us know your, uh, you know, just talk to us a little bit about your process of cremation. Okay. So uh, we'll start out with the process of cremation. The process of cremation um, is what is really formally termed as a final form of disposition. So you have, ultimately after a passing has occurred, you really have two choices to to make. Are you going to bury your loved one or are you going to cremate uh, your your loved one? Um, Here in the state of Illinois, um, the final form of disposition is actually what's listed on on the death certificate. So Mm -hmm. it's not, even after the cremation, if you still go to bury those cremains in a cemetery, that cemetery does not appear on the certificate of death, but the cremation itself does. Mm. So the the process of cremation is actually uh, most of most of all of us are eighty um, percent uh, water. Um, it's one of the easiest ways to um, actually uh, break down uh, the remains into you know its carbon footprint that uh, we originated from, and it's it's a. Uh, provides you with a dense uh, material, uh, cremains that are left that then are more small and portable and take up less physical space. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the actual um, process of, of cremation. Um, okay. The trending of that cremation is really a couple of things, but I can't say it's, it's very specific. Um, first and foremost, everybody says that, well, um, I'm going to be cremated because they think they're going to save a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And their cost savings depending on are dependent upon what services they actually want around that cremation. Uh, once again, the service is not the cremation itself, but just ultimately what happens to the remains at the end of the services or prior to the services. Mm-hmm. So your cost savings that you really uh, exhibit are... Um, only in regards to the services that you may not uh, select or elect to have, such as the uh, memorial gathering or a viewing or a visitation or that embalming process that we we, we just spoke of. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually serve a lot of families that, all in all, um, adding the cremation process into what they are desiring for total services for their loved one can actually add to the cost. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, after the cremation occurs, um, there are several reasons why families uh, are, are doing cremation now besides costs, and that's just simply, once again, because we're such a mobile society now mm-hmm. that 
children uh, live clear from one coast to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, most there's a lot of families today that do not have you know specific roots that they're tied to a particular mm-hmm. community that they uh, stay in anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is what they will do is they'll actually take mom or dad and they can divide them if there's three kids. One mm-hmm. lives in Washington, the other one lives in New York, and the other one lives in Texas, and now they can all take mom uh, with them. Yeah. Um, so that's a uh, um, a major reason of that. Um, the other place is is uh, desiring burial in a non-traditional um, setting, such mm-hmm. as the uh, mountains or the mm-hmm. ocean, um, which there can be done on, on your own, or there are several services and companies that can assist with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right down to once a cremation has occurred, um, you can be made into a diamond, and your loved one can be, uh, you know, worn uh, with you. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you can even go so far as to have a party, and you can be packed in fireworks and spread over the uh, uh, the countryside. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's there, there's a lot of options. Cremation actually opens up a whole nother level um, and a whole nother uh, slew of um, options that uh, you may have n- never even considered. Yeah, absolutely. The ones you've just described, (laughs) I never would have thought of some of those. And so are you seeing the trend also at your company that a lot more people are requesting cremation more so than not? Correct. Um, I'm uh, seeing an an increase in that request. Um, More often than not, it's not based upon cost, but it is much uh, more based upon uh, the other reasons of Mom and dad lived here in the uh, western suburbs, but their children don't anymore, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. nor do they have any interest of of coming uh, back to the uh, uh, Chicago metropolitan uh, suburbs. So they want to take mom or dad with them. I see. I see. Now earlier, you know, when you at the beginning of the show, you talked to us about the trends and what you've seen over time in the funeral home industry. And you talked about how early on uh, that people would take care of their loved ones. Someone would die and the family would handle the body, the funerals or whatever they would do. And oftentimes, I think, bury them in the yard or somewhere nearby. Um, But now that has kind of shifted, as you also said, to uh, going into a funeral home, going to a funeral home. So what should a family do today? Like, what should a family do today if a death occurs at home? Since, you know, it, we just don't handle that type of thing at home like we used to. Sure. So do you want me to actually take you through the procedures of uh, what happens or um, just some com- common recommendations? Just give me some recommendations. Okay. Um, so a lot of times is what will happen is if a family uh, pass, a member passes at home, that's going to happen in one of two major uh, uh, circumstances. It's, uh, it can happen for a couple other reasons, but uh, the two are either going to be a planned passing at home where the family has want to keep their loved one at home and has been sick or ailing from an illness where they're typically placed under hospice care. Mm-hmm. So that's one uh, kind of passing that happens at home. The other uh, passing at home is completely unexpected. Um, mm-hmm. That's where uh, your loved one is healthy and fine and you were not anticipating uh, the passing to, to occur. Um, it puts 
two different situations. One is now in a planning environment. The other one is completely in an environment of shock and dismay. So is what happens is things are, when I say uh, things, I mean feelings and the start of acknowledgement are in vastly two different ways. A hospice group or a home uh, passing that is planned is already starting to pre-plan whether they've actually pre-planned their uh, funeral wishes or not. They're already mentally preparing for it. Mm. Um, those uh, that passed unexpectedly at home, um, unfortunately, you have to, you know, work now and start with the police department and the medical examiner, mm-hmm. the coroner's office has to get in, uh, involved. It's usually a lot more hectic and chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, is what I really tr- tell everybody to do is, you know, you just have to stop. You have to just, you know, briefly acknowledge what, what what's happened and you have to just slow everything down. Mm-hmm. Um, it always seems like when something happens unexpected and tragic like this, where you have a passing that was on unplanned, you weren't expecting it, and everybody th- seems to think that everything and decisions have to be made immediately. They do have mm-hmm. to be made very quickly, but immediately is kind of a, a, a harsh term where, you know, it's just take a breath, slow down, uh, relax. They're... Um, uh, you know, normally, uh, unfortunately, it's because the paramedics come and the police department's there and so forth. I mean, things tend to just start rolling. But uh, always ask questions. Um, mm-hmm. It's always good mm-hmm. to, um, we try to speak very openly, give options, uh, so that way you can start to ask questions because you weren't planning on this or thinking this, but when different scenarios are, are presented, it tries to spur different thoughts and questions to actually help help the living individual um, uh, start to acknowledge and mm-hmm. realize that there's been a loss. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. We're coming up on our next break. And when we okay. come back, we'll talk a little bit about about you and how you being a funeral director, what's that like for you? And you can also kind of let us know, I guess, if you'd like to talk about it again, you know, just how you enjoy doing what you do. But when we come back, we will continue to talk with Chuck Hitzman. You can learn more about Chuck at hitzmanfuneral.com. You can check out my website at therapyoakpark.net, my Facebook page, is that Begin Within Counseling Services. Thanks for listening, and we'll be right back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, voiceamericaempowerment.com. Are there times when you feel inadequate dealing with the difficult emotions of grieving families? Would you like to help these families but don't know where to start? If so, grief counselor Addie Anderson can help. Discover what many funeral homes already know about meeting the emotional needs of families that they serve. Be a valued resource to families during a time when they need it most. They'll appreciate your commitment to their well-being. Call Addie Anderson at 708-870-6255 to schedule a consultation. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Let's Talk About Grief with Addie Anderson. 
If you want more information about our program, please feel free to visit therapyoakpark.net. That's therapyoakpark.net. Now, back to Let's Talk About Grief. Welcome back. We're continuing to talk with Chuck, and um, we're going to get right into learning a little bit more about him. So just let us know, how has being a funeral director changed your outlook on death uh, and on life in general, Chuck? Well, uh, growing up in the funeral home my entire life, I I wouldn't say for me personally that uh, being a funeral director has really changed my outlook um, as I've, I've grown up with it my, my entire life. Mm-hmm. So there are some things that I, I do and treat far differently than, than most people. Um, I can tell you with absolute certainty that my, my wife, who never had anything uh, to do um, in a funeral business or setting prior to meeting me and getting engaged and married and so forth, her, her views have changed drastically um, just being married to me and working in the funeral home here. Mm. Uh, but specifically more towards, well, actually, how, how we both operate together. This is something I have, have never been afraid of death. I've never feared death. Um, we are oh. all going to pass at some point in time. It's just a natural evolution of life. Mm-hmm. And I've always just treated it with a uh, kind of an up, from an uplifting perspective where we're celebrating that life that we lived and the accomplishments that were made, how we were able to affect others' lives and how we've helped other people and the remembrances of those. So it's, it's never been a, a downer, dreary thing for me in most cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. um, we'd like to think that everybody lives to 95 or 100, 100 years old and has lived a full life. Um, but unfortunately, that's that's not always the case. Um, mm-hmm. It does affect us, uh, you know, you know, drastically when you have somebody who's 45 years old, has three kids, mm-hmm. and uh, left behind a spouse and children, um, and it's it, that does weigh in on us and, and take a toll also. Mm-hmm. But as far as how I live, and my wife and I have lived our lives previous to having children. You know, the future is not uh, not a guarantee for anybody. So, you know, mm-hmm. we if there's something that we've always wanted to do, we try to do it. Um, if there's a gift that we wanted or something, you know, we don't wait till that holiday to get it for the other person. Mm. Um, that's a, that's that being said, you know, Christmas can be a letdown in our house before we had children because, you know, we... <laughs> As, as something comes up, you know, we, we want to enjoy it while we can in, in the now, where, yes, we, we do still plan for things in the future, but mm-hmm. it's if you have an opportunity, seize the moment. And uh, that's what we try to do, obviously, with kids now and gifts and stuff like that. You know, we still have to plan around the birthdays and the, and, mm-hmm. and, and the Christmases and, and so forth. But, um, no, uh, uh I'll be very upfront and honest uh, myself. I mean, I get caught up in the minutiae and uh, sometimes, you know, don't really realize uh, on days that how uh, precious it is and how grateful we we should be. Um, But then, you know, there's the days that that go by that, uh, you know, it's it's easier for me to take a step back and say, wow, uh, Mm -hmm. isn't that grand or... um, 
you know, maybe we should spend some more time with uh, this relative while we have a, have a chance, or this friend uh, that's been mm-hmm. a good friend with us, because, you know, who knows? I mean, uh, th- things change, so it's uh, yeah. being able and flexible to to do that. And I can see how doing what you do would would make you do that because you're seeing all the time just how short life can be and that it's important that we take advantage of all the time that we have here to connect with the people who we care about and just not take the next day for granted is it sounds like what I'm hearing you say. Correct. So you, you also mentioned like the holidays and what I was thinking about um, when you said that is, you know, how, you know, the life in, in the day or the week of a funeral home director, like, is it interrupted a lot because, you know, death happens all the time? Are you able to kind of plan your life in a, you know, in a way that's not always interrupted? It's, it's tough. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to operate in the funeral business. I still hold a lot of the traditional views and um, visions that my um, pre- the previous generations did here. Uh, I run a small smaller operation or a, a business that we have here where um, I try to attend and, and have some sort of operation with every family that, that I um, work with. So... I don't have components or, or staff that I uh, just interject in here and there to fulfill, uh, you know, the uh, void that I, I would necessarily leave. I do have supporting staff here to to assist, mm-hmm. but uh, where I'm basically getting at is, yes, we still traditionally answer the phones 24 hours a day. So um, if I don't have a staff member that I have here that's covering for me at that point in time. Uh, yes, uh, sometimes we our, our, our lives are interrupted. Uh, just this last Saturday night, I was at a gathering with some friends and so forth, and um, I very easily could have been there till 10, 11 o'clock at night. I arrived at about 5, and then, um, you know, a family unfortunately had a passing. I, I had to leave um, at 8.30. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's uh, I'm more of an old where I'm evolve and I'm interested in changing and uh, keeping up with the newest, greatest, and, and best things. I'm also very traditional and um, wanting to uh, uh, be there and mm-hmm. support the families where, where needed. Um, uh, we still personally answer our phones 24 hours a day. Uh, my mm-hmm. wife and I will do the most of that. If we do tr- uh, really try to um, schedule some time out, I do have my staff that can, uh, you know, can uh, assist uh, as needed. Yeah, 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 because it's important self-care, right? I know uh, as, a, as a therapist, I see people sometimes at their worst, and I'm hearing a lot of heartache and pain, you know, that people bring. Um, and so that just kind of got me thinking and wondering, you know, with you being around grieving people a lot, you know, during the week, the months and so forth, how are you affected emotionally by that, by that or, or are you? So um, there's times when I would uh, say that it's an understanding of the grief that we see um, 
the individuals going through, and other times we are uh, uh, drastically uh, adversely affected, um, mm-hmm. where it, it um, is something that we we do bring home uh, at the end of the workday. It's well, seeing death and grieving on a, on a daily basis. Once again, uh, reverting back to it, it's it's very situational. Mm-hmm. Um, we can relate and feel and understand and comfort um, families that have had a passing where, you know, mom or dad was 95 years old, and mm-hmm. yes, they've experienced the loss, and yes, they're sad to see, see their parents go, but we can understand and still be uh, compassionate about that. But also we try to say, you know, look at it where, you know, look at what mom has, has done and what she has lived through and what she's been able to uh, provide uh, for you. She's lived a phenomenal life. And mm-hmm. uh, how, how amazing is, is that really? Um, mm-hmm. And we try to, you know, help and uh, understand things like that um, mm-hmm. versus where... You know, somebody passed at 45, had left three kids and, and a spouse, and, uh, you know, you, you take that home at the end of the day, you know, and then you nice. go home and you hug your spouse and you kiss your kids and you say, you know, how, how grateful it is and uh, that you still have, um, you know, what, what we do. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I get that. I get that. And so I don't want to leave today without uh, having the opportunity to go back and talk about green burial because you alluded to that earlier when you were talking about trends. So tell us what what is a green burial? Sure. So, uh, by definition, a green burial is a um, is where you bury your loved one, and you try to minimize the total carbon footprint that um, is is typically created. Um, that being said, in some areas of the country, it's a little easier than others. Um, Chicago metropolitan here. Chicago metropolitan area where uh, we uh, live and work here is mm-hmm. not necessarily the easiest way to or easiest place to complete a full green burial, but it is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, that is uh, no embalming. Um, that is clothing that is all natural, typically co- cotton, and mm-hmm. that is a casket that has no finishes on it um, that are um, not natural. So it can be a natural stain from plants, or, or uh, it's going to be a, a wood or a linen shroud. And mm-hmm. typically the graves are dug by hand. And um, the idea is, is to just naturally um, be absorbed back into nature. Okay. And so, uh, so there are certain locations where green burials happen is that what you're saying like is it possible to to bury your loved one on your property or does it have you're saying it has to be approved the location Correct. itself has so, to be approved um, there's several state laws in in Illinois um, realistically until you've prepaid x years of property taxes and assured that that property is going to stay in the family you um, the state does not typically allow uh, well, I say typically you have to go through several steps for it to happen, but you cannot bury your loved one on private property as um, your loved one. Now, after mm-hmm. cremation, uh, those r- rules and laws become a little more gray, if you will, um, but you 
uh, a burial needs to take place in a um, uh, basically a state approved cemetery. Once that, once you have a cemetery that you're working with, the cemetery itself has laws and rules that are cemetery specific. Mm-hmm. So, taking into account the Chicago metropolitan area here, uh, most cemeteries are going to require an outer barrel container that the remains or casket are placed into, which is a con- typically a concrete receptacle. There are other products that it can be made from that mm-hmm. will support the weight of the ground above the grave and maintain the integrity of the grave so that the grave doesn't collapse and everything stays in the grave that was specifically assigned um, to you or, or your loved one. Mm. Now, if you go into some of the older cemeteries, uh, as you go farther out to the rural areas or even different states, some of those requirements don't exist. Mm. Um, so the cemeteries that are allowing green barrels here in the area have special sections where there's different sizes of graves that are allowed um, and how they're handling the green barrels. And once again, right down to trying to be as natural as possible, you can't even have a formal uh, traditional, I should say traditional headstone or grave marker on the grave. It has to be an uncut stone that's carved Hmm. um, with with no, no finishes on it. So it's once again more natural. Hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that. I I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't have a clue. And I can imagine that as time moves on that we will see more of these green burials. It's just my prediction. So we're, we're about to come to the close of the show. So tell us about how you take care of yourself because, you know, you have a very stressful business and, you know, what you do can be... I would imagine overwhelming at times. So what do you do for fun? You, your wife, and your kids, how do you take care of yourself? Well, once again, I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth here, but uh, I should do a little bit more than I do. But uh, what we do for fun is uh, my kids and I, we we love the outdoors. Uh, If we get a Mm -hmm. chance to go camping, uh, we love to uh, go to the mountains and uh, love to camp in the woods. Uh, We love bike riding. Uh, like to go out on uh, my my kids uh, can can pump pretty hard on that bicycle and get pretty far. Uh, <laughs> those are you know typical things where we would like to do as as, as a family and uh, spend spend our time that way. But you know once again it's just where things occur and uh, if an opportunity or, or arises we just try to seize that uh, that moment because realistically. Um, this is not a job for me. I, I, mm-hmm. I jokingly say I took my vows to, to, to my job. So mm. um, it's uh, it, it does take a lot of dedication. Um, most would, uh, you know, look at this and, and, and relate and say, well, you know, your family should always be first. And yes, it, it is. But um, the position that I have, not the job, but what, what I do um, falls in uh, just just short of uh, right underneath there because I am ultimately in a position of helping people at um, most of their worst times in their life. Well, thank and, you. Thank you. I, I, you know, and it's not a job. It's a calling, and it seems like you're doing an excellent job at what you do. Uh, I would imagine that the families that you work with are grateful to work with you because it seems to me that you're very open 
and uh, there to serve. And I hope that you will continue to do just that as we come up at the end of the show. So thank you for coming. I want to thank everybody for listening. You can find Chuck at HitzmanFuneral.com. If you have a show idea or would like to be a guest on the show, please email me at letstalkgrief at gmail.com or call 708-870-6255. Be sure and listen next week when I talk to an acupuncturist about how they work with grieving patients. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Let's Talk About Grief. Please join your host, Addie Anderson, again next Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we speak again, be there for a loved one who might need you this week.